The CZ Media Podcast is brought to you by Rancho Bravo Tacos. They have four convenient locations, U District, Capitol Hill, Wallingford, and Federal Way. Stop by for tacos, burritos, tamales, and enchiladas. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the CZ Media Podcast. Sorry for the show being a few days late. Had some hiccups in the production schedule, but we're back on board. We've got a, a full week of recording coming up so shows are going to be consistent uh they're going to be released consistent and we're going to be talking about a whole lot of different different topics i'm going to have a a lawyer on and i'm going to have a a, a like an energy guru i don't know what do i know but today i am super excited today cuz i just probably had the photography lesson that Thousands of photographers across Seattle have wanted to have. Today, I'm going to be talking to my friend, John Cornicello. Hey, John. Hey there. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Doing pretty well, thanks. So I asked you to come over to help with photography stuff, but actually it was it was really intended to get you on the show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you could have asked. So the podcast started really talking about creative stuff like uh one of the guys that i recorded with early on dan he's a sound engineer but he's also a musician so we would talk about uh just the creative process and you know he really is into sound whereas i'm more in visual so when we watch a movie when we're watching movies with well my wife and his girlfriend he'll go on a rant on how something sounds poor and I'll go on a rant on why they chose to color something in a certain way. Like sometimes things just don't make sense the way they color them. Mm -hmm. The latest thing that I've noticed is, do you watch Evening Magazine? No, I don't have a TV. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, that's a good thing. But there's this local show mm -hmm. on Channel 5 called King Magazine, uh, Evening Magazine. They talk about all Seattle stuff. So they, they go to Seattle restaurants, bars. And just tell people, hey, come and do this, come and do this. But whoever shoots, whoever whoever takes the footage mm -hmm. doesn't do anything with color correction. Okay. So and they're not color grading it. They're not color grading it at all. So it, they look blue because they're using super blue lights. Hmm. So every time, the, and, and it's just one small light that they're just pointing at the subject. So you have just horrible shadows. I think that they can take it would be nice if they brought a softbox, I think, <laughs> for 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 the when they do videos. Uh -huh. But once they do all of that, they never color correct. So it's always blue. And I don't know, maybe because they're such a they're in environments that the colors are all over the place mm -hmm. that they just don't bother. Maybe. But I would think that they would want the subjects to look the best. So maybe go for that. Yeah. But how many TVs are color managed in? I mean, remember the old days you used to walk into a department store and there's a wall of TVs with the same show on and everyone is a different color? Yeah. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> that still happens, actually. <laughs> right, but that's happened to monitors. I, I know some retouchers who I say, well, how do you calibrate your monitor? And they say, I don't calibrate it. I don't know what people are going to see it on. Why do I waste my time <laughs> setting it up for so it looks good to me when it's not going to look good to anyone else? Yeah, you know, I've had this conversation with Levi uh -huh. tons of times. 
where I'll tell him I can't get the color right. And he'll just say, don't bother with it mm-hmm. because people are going to be looking at it on 10 year old TVs right. or five year old phones. And what do we have? NTSC is the TV standard here. NTSC stands for never the same color. <laughs> so, right. So unless, why am I spending so much time? Uh, why am I spending so much time figuring out what color this is? Well, that's why, you know, and it doesn't help that I have these 4K <laughs> 99% color accurate monitors mm-hmm. when it doesn't matter. Because no one else has those. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> the people looking at your photos on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, that's right. On their phones or on their tablets. It, and it, 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 they'll never see it the way I'm mm-hmm. envisioning it. So I don't know. It's it's more uh, vanity, I guess. I'm learning my lesson though. Mm-hmm. I'm learning to not be so anal retentive about <laughs> about the color, uh, unless it's a video for me. Mm-hmm. That uh, that then I then I go into my crazy. This these colors have to be perfect. Yeah, but for client work. I mean, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. But. I know, but when I see so much color grading now, it's always this kind of greenish color. It seems well, to be really teal. popular. Yeah, the <laughs> movie. It's it's the the cinema, the cinema editing. So ah. it's teal and orange. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of <clears throat> examples of Hollywood loving teal and orange. Like, look at any sci-fi movie, mm-hmm. and then there's a orange explosion next to <laughs> some sort of teal something. Um, although, did you see um, Probably Blade not. Runner? No. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean, um, as far as color and cinematography mm-hmm. goes, Blade Runner 2049, I think it's okay. what it's called. It's gorgeous. To look at it. It's very, it's very pretty. <clears throat> so I was having lots of trouble figuring out where my lights were going to be, where my subject should be. Just lots of trouble. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to you and I said, hey, can you come and help me out? And John in, I don't know, was it 15, 20 minutes? Did it take that long? <laughs> <laughs> in a very short amount of time, answered and solved 70% of my <laughs> problems. And I was telling John, it's so interesting that we, when we have a problem we get so we we dive into it so much that sometimes we lose where we are mm-hmm. in that problem. All we can see is the problem, but as we're moving around, we're not really changing anything. anything. Mm-hmm. And that you need someone to be able to come and sort of shake you out of Don't it. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so simple. <laughs> it sounds like such a simple thing to mm-hmm. do. And uh, John was able to do that. So John where did that, how do, how long have you been doing this? What got oh, you to do this? I, and see. why are you th- amongst the most well-known photography people in Seattle? Uh, that was just happenstance. <laughs> there was a startup called Creative Live. Yeah. And I saw a couple of their shows and I said, oh, they need a photo assistant there that knows what he's doing. Let me go volunteer. I volunteered for one and they said, oh, you're coming back for all our shows. And they hired me on freelance to, to do things there. Uh, work with all these photographers, and people just saw me in the background moving things around. Um, so, I mean, I didn't set out to do anything so like that. So how long ago was that? 
about eight years ago. I think the first time I was on was with Jeremy Cowart. Okay. Um, people were watching and go, wow, how long have you and Jeremy known each other? And I said about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So eight years ago. So, so before that, what were you doing before that? Uh, before that, I was working for Adobe for 20 years. Oh, wow. I, I did online community forums and watched people yell at each other and <laughs> all those good things that happen in internet forums. Yeah, productive conversations. Yeah, yeah. And before that, I had a photo studio in New York. Um, so there I started around 1979 or so. Okay. Um, in New York, 79 yeah. in New York. Yeah. So the good old days of New York. Yeah. What's really interesting now is watching Adorama TV ads, right. uh, their videos, uh, Daniel and sometimes um, Mark Wallace. Yeah. They're working in my old studio. Really? Yeah. I, I turned it on one day and said, everything there looks familiar. I know that closet. I know that safe door. Wow. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So I, I, I saw Daniel Norton at a trade show and I asked him, are you at 245 West 29th? I said, yeah. 12th floor? Yeah. Wow. So I opened that studio in 1981. <laughs> so so it's has it been a studio since then yeah so i started with another guy and he moved to chicago and another brought someone in and then i moved out and he brought someone else in and it's still still going wow that is super (laughs) those adorama shows are Uh pretty pretty good yeah i watch those probably the second most Mm -hmm. uh i bought the peter hurley yeah classes yeah shebang yeah shebang (laughs) Although, uh, I mean, a lot of what he does is so Kino Flow focused. Yeah. Oh, he's moved to the LED panels too. Yeah. Uh, but similar, just a little brighter, a little easier to work with, a little more portable. Okay. Uh, Peter is always fun to work with. I don't know if you saw us together on Creative Live, but his wife actually called him on one of the breaks and said, "Start being easier on John." <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's it's our stick together. We just kind of, you know. I think he has that that. Uh, that jokey personality, mm-hmm. even of uh, whether like I haven't met him, but yeah. a few other people that I know that have met him, and it's like he just goes right into it. Yep, he's definitely. a he's a character. <laughs> so <clears throat> you came to Seattle. Did you start a? Were you? Did you have a studio here while you were at Adobe? No, I just worked out of my house doing photos. Okay. Um, in the beginning, it was just point and shoot cameras. It was when the Canon. D30 digital came out, their first digital SLR. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine was having a party and said, well, you do a photo booth here. And I said, well, this is a good a good reason to go and buy a, a digital a SLR and, <laughs> and a light and, and try it. And, right. and here's where we are from that. How many megapixels was that? Three. Three. <laughs> and actually, I have some really nice 16 by 20 and 20 by 24 prints from it. Yeah. Megapixels are overrated. <laughs> It is, but you know everyone gets into the pixel, yeah. the, the megapixel wars. Yeah, I yep. was watching an old DVD of uh, Clay, mm-hmm. Clay Blackmore, Clay Clay Blackmore, mm-hmm. and he was talking about his ten pixel. Like I don't know, I think he shoots Nikon. I think he does shoot. Nikon. I don't remember. But he he was talking about the flagship at the time, and he's mm-hmm. like, "And this has an amazing ten megapixels." It's like that's like how old is this DVD? <laughs> I had to look at it. But the the amazing the wonderful thing about photography though is that the fundamentals really don't change. Mm-hmm. So it's like it doesn't matter. Like you said, three, your light has to be right. Yeah, your subject has to uh, be engaging. Yeah, I mean you're taking the picture, not the camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I think like most 
I think how many, what's the percentage of newbie photographers do you think get into the, I need to buy stuff? It's not just newbies. I mean, I have gear acquisition (laughs) syndrome. Good old gas. Yes. I mean, yeah, you go and see all the stuff I have and how much, you know, use it a couple of times and decide, no, that's not quite what what I thought it would do. And, you know, so it it, it keeps going. But I I look at it as research because people ask me questions about these things. Right. So every once in a while, you know, people ask online, how does this work? How does that work? And I'll just set it up and take a shot. And 10 minutes after they ask the question on Facebook or whatever, I posted the answer and a sample because I have, I have the equipment there. That is that is why you're so loved and why everyone knows you, because you're just a fountain of a fountain of information. The two people that I look to for examples and for real help mm-hmm. are you and Levi. Yeah. Are, I mean, you you know Levi. Yeah, sure. I love Levi. I talk to Levi almost every day. Wow. He's probably sick of me a lot. <laughs> uh, but I talk to him a lot. And <clears throat> a usual or a common conversation that I have with Levi is, Levi, how do I do this? And then he'll reply with the link to an article that he wrote. Mm-hmm. And then a day later, Levi, how do I do this? And then he'll reply with the link to an article. Yeah, I, I do that a lot too. My <laughs> blog post. Uh, so, you know, I see a question online. So a few people ask that. I'll, I'll write this blog post. And it usually takes me about 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, I just set up a light, do some tests. Here's write it out, post it online. And then I pulled a bunch of them together and wrote a book last year. You did? Yeah. So it's called Anatomy of a Studio Portrait. Okay. And it goes kind of through the steps I go through. and Is that on, out. Uh, it's on, it's on? It's on Amazon. Okay. Uh, it was print only until recently, and I think now we have a Kindle version. Okay. So the Kindle version is only nine ninety five. That's, you know what, I'm going to post that in our show notes. Sure. Because, I mean, I probably got again. I I probably got the tutorial that tons of photographers have wanted. <laughs> it's like I got, I was able to get John in my studio, yeah. literally telling me how to use my own gear in my own space. <laughs> I'm sure that that's worth a ton of money. So let's post that and then we can just share that. Sure. And sure. and get, get some people to know that because, again, I've been so wrapped in my own head in this mm-hmm. problem. I made the problem seem a lot bigger than what it was and yeah. I just couldn't see a way out. But the, the, the tidbits that you threw out there were basically a lifeline to say, oh, good. calm down and then just... You know, take a step mm-hmm. back and then just think of this more yeah. critically. Yeah. Just so we'll definitely share look, that. Look at what the light's doing. Definitely share that. Um, so you were on Creative Live, I'm assuming eight years ago is when it started out. Yeah, pretty much. So um, in the beginning, I would go down to watch some of the shows uh, when there were more like nature photographers on and things like that. But mm. then when they started getting into the studio stuff, I said, hey, I want to get involved in this. Mm. I was on one creative live uh-huh. with Skip, uh, and I met I met a few people that I still talk to even today. And then I went to from there. I went to Skip Summer School mm-hmm. twice in Chicago. In Chicago, okay. And that's where I met Levi. Mm-hmm. And then actually, I was looking back, and there are about eight people that I speak to frequently. That I met from Creative Live and Skip Summer School. Uh-huh. 
and it's still it's still a good community and a good group of people where they ask each other questions and they get help. Yeah, I mean it's so different now in the 60s 70s are everyone was kind of in their own thing and didn't want to help anyone. You know, you couldn't just yeah. go ask someone for how do you shoot this because um, you're taking my business. Right, but now the, we're all so much more open about it. I mean, yeah. we realize it's it's our eye. I mean, I can give you the same lights, the same camera, and you're going to come up with a different picture oh, than absolutely. me. Oh, absolutely. You, know, you can't and, do the same thing. Right, right. And, and then people say, oh, everyone has a camera now, but it's still, we're all different. It doesn't. Uh, it's interesting. I have a book called Fred Archer on Portraiture that was written, I think, in the 1940s. Okay. And in it, he rants about the men are off at war and all these people back home are putting buying a, these new miniature 35 millimeter cameras and hanging a shingle out and becoming a photographer. And this is going to be the death of the industry. And <laughs> it's like, so fast forward uh, 80 years and it's people have a f- camera on their phone, phone and it's going to ruin the industry. It's going to ruin the industry. Yeah, you know, so well, it's, it's, I mean, it, I mean, it's all I've cyclical. Only, I've really only been, heavily into photography for uh maybe uh 13 years maybe mm-hmm. and I I mean I suck I don't know it's it, I think that my only reason that I am still able to get clients is because I'm perceived as friendly <laughs> so I can make someone relax friendly but look at your size and your boxing background you're either friendly or you're you're threatening <laughs> you know uh we'll uh, we'll go off on a on a little different different uh different avenue here but that's so funny that you say that because <clears throat> i don't know i don't want to get too too uh, much into culture mm-hmm. but it seems to me that there's so much news now pointing out that certain demo of people are scared of me huh. or would be apprehensive of someone that looks like me. And I don't look, I don't look, I mean, I'm just a slightly tall, yeah, round, I mean, brown guy. Yeah. <clears throat> but I was at, <clears throat> I was, we was going to the movies uh, a few weeks ago and there was two older ladies in front of me arguing with the ticket guy about a movie not showing on a particular day, but they've, they were there for a really long time and I was getting irritated. So I had on a hoodie. My pockets were in my hands were in my pockets. I had a pretty irritated face and those ladies turned around, smiled at me and started asking me where they should go eat and uh, what movie I was going to see. And then, I, you know, once they did that, of course, I smiled and yeah. I answered all the questions. But then I thought, haven't these ladies been listening that they should be scared, intimidated of, by you, <laughs> intimidated? And it's like they did not care at all. So maybe you're not as scary as yeah, you think. I'm not scary. That's, I, I told that to my wife, and she's like, it's because <clears throat> it's because you can only look mean for a fraction of a second, and once you once you crack that smile, yeah, then forget <laughs> it. Then forget it. It's gone. But yeah, I think that's why I'm able to get any customers because, mm-hmm. or keep them happy at least. It's because I, uh, I, I am friendly uh, and I can get good expressions. Yeah, from them, I say pretty dumb, funny things sometimes to sure. to get their guard down. Yeah, I mean that's part of the whole portrait thing. Yeah, I mean it's 
It's ninety percent psychology. I had a I had a customer a few weeks ago who <clears throat> was he was a tough guy. Mm-hmm. Like he really was a tough guy. And I'm doing like he wanted to he was an actor, but he's a tough guy. And he wanted to look tough, but then he also wanted some not so tough looking shots. So the tough ones were easy to get, right? Like guys are guys practice their tough <laughs> all the time. But to get him to calm down, I just started saying the dumbest things. Mm-hmm. Like the dumbest, corniest um things. And he just couldn't keep his tough anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. the conversation was so corny there was no way sure that he sure. was going to be able to keep it but we've got a bowl full of clown noses in the studio <laughs> and my wife threatens to put them on people if they don't behave and <laughs> we can't get what we want that's out a of good, them i think i'm <laughs> gonna have to try something like that that's a good thing to do yeah <clears throat> but you know that's why i love taking pictures it's like even though you could take a thousand pictures but you see those handful that are good and it's like hey yeah, but that's what everyone does. I yeah. mean, you go out to Instagram, you see the, the ones that they like and they want to show you. Right. You know, how many did it take to get where they are? Exactly. <clears throat> and all of the work to prepare it to actually. Right. What does they say? You have to take 10,000 pictures to start getting good. Yeah. In the film days, that was hard. In digital now, you can do that in a weekend. You can do that. <laughs> you can do that super fast. <laughs> yes. Super fast. Uh, when I do go and shoot out, shoot with other people. Like it just seems that some of them just have that finger on the shutter for yeah, a good I, I five guess, seconds. Yeah, at a time. I guess coming from the film film days, I don't do that. I I tend to shoot less than I, a lot of times. I'll come back after a session and go, "Where are those other photos? I thought I took more than this." Right. And I usually take take fewer than I think I did. You know, I I didn't start shooting film, but I do shoot a lot. Mm-hmm. Like as you can see, I have negatives all over the yeah. place. And I think that that has seeped into my normal shooting because mm-hmm. I don't shoot a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, um, my progression was different than a lot of people, too, is I started in a catalog studio where we'd shoot things to size for, like, uh, Montgomery Ward back then, showing okay. my age. So I was using 11 by 14 and 8 by 10 cameras to begin with. Oh, wow. And then worked my way down to 4 by 5 I skipped two and a quarter. I was never a fan of two and a quarter. I just didn't like the flimsy film. Yeah. And then I went to 35, and now we're digital. So I've kind of gone backwards for most people to start out small and just Very try to go cool. to bigger cameras. Wow. So you had an 11 by 14 camera? Yeah. So with the rails and yep. bellows? Big, big Deardorff on big stand. Very cool. Yeah. I have a 4 by 5 that I love to shoot with. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I still have a Deardorff. Um, well, it's a 5 by 7 with a 4 by 5 reducing back. Mm. Uh, it's mostly just sits around as show right now, but... I do have some film for it. It's just processing. Is it's t- expensive. Expensive and shipping it off and, and a pain finding a place to get it done. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, to develop an 11 by 14, <laughs> yeah, that would be a huge developing yeah, tank. Yeah, we had these big processors. They're just rollers, and they run through all the yeah the chemicals. I developed my own 4 by 5. Uh-huh. I have a... Patterson tank mm-hmm. with a four by five insert you can put into it that ah. lets you develop six sheets at a time. Well, maybe I'll shoot some four by five and send it to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I'm pretty good actually uh-huh. at developing. Yeah. I just wish Polaroid type 55 Kate would come back. 
that's the positive negative. So you get you peel it apart and you keep you watch the negative and it was a really great film. But well, there's it's expensive at the end though. There's a like, company called New Fifty Five. I I thought they decided that they couldn't do it. I have to oh. look into that. I know a couple of people had thought they were going to pull back, pull up the the old machinery and get it going again, and then okay. they came into because I have five. Uh, exposures uh-huh. of the new 55 huh. that I bought off of Kickstarter okay. four years, five years uh-huh. ago. Okay. I wonder if it's still good. I never shot it. It's 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 tough. Polaroid film didn't last like other films where you can put it in the freezer. You know, we used to joke back in the old days that the Polaroid date, the, the expiration date on the box was to the minute. You know, if you shot it a minute <laughs> after that expiration date, it, it wasn't going to be any good. <laughs> Do you... Well, I have a whole freezer full of the Fuji pack film uh-huh. of, uh, of um, well, it's not four by five. It's slightly smaller than four by yeah, five. Yeah, but I don't, it doesn't fit the Polaroid holders. No, yeah. I had to get a other folder yeah. for it. So I can, I have a holder. Oh, interesting. I have a holder for it to use on my four by five. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I just use the. I use the Polaroid land cameras. Okay. Still, I used to shoot a lot of it, but since they discontinued it, mm-hmm. and if you look on Amazon, they're selling for about forty-five <laughs> bucks a pack. I don't. I don't use it as. Yeah, I mean, Type Fifty Five was like fifteen sheets in a box, and it was around ninety to a hundred bucks. Yeah. Towards the end, as the regular price. So, if someone was selling some aftermarket, I can huh. imagine what the price would go for now. I wonder. I should. I'm gonna. Sh- I'll show you what I have to see if uh-huh. that's what you're thinking. Yeah. Because I think I would sell it. <laughs> it's been in my freezer all this. In my roof. I stole my wife's wine fridge. Uh-huh. And turned it into a film fridge. Okay. So it's been properly stored forever. <clears throat> but I would part with that. Mm-hmm. I never since I never really shot the Polaroid four x five. I'm not attached to yeah. it like I am with the Fuji. Yep. Uh, so I should I should check that out. <laughs> I added up how much I have in that pack film. Wow! I told it's like six thousand bucks worth of film. <laughs> I mean, if it sells, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's if if it sells, there's a but, potential of six thousand dollars. Right. <laughs> but it's like I used to, I want to buy more. Do you remember <laughs> the Polaroid Instant thirty five millimeter? Yeah, the crank thing and yeah. the box about a foot so long and. Put the roll in and crank, yeah. crank it through. Sure, I have about twenty five rolls of that. Wow, but it just not doesn't look good. No, it didn't look good back then. <laughs> I, I I probably shot two or three rolls of it, and it looks like if you took a picture of a TV, uh huh, and it looks it, it's yeah yeah. I tried to shoot some studio stuff with it, but it just needs a ton a ton of. I'm light. trying to remember was it was it a transparency. Film a positive. There was, or did they do both? Both. Hmm. The black and white it would be negative. Okay. The color would be transparency. Uh, okay. Positive. Positive. A chrome. Yeah. Uh, so I have like three or four different kinds, huh. and uh, it's just more fun, I guess. <laughs> you can say. Oh, here's the famous <laughs> alarm. Here's the famous alarm. So with that. We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Guy DeVillier. I'm the owner of That Samore Italian Cafe on top of the Mount Baker neighborhood here in Seattle. 
Come see us for some great standard Italian fare and specials with a little Pacific Northwest flair. We're open every night for dinner from 5 to 9 during the week and 4 to 10 on the weekends. Make a reservation by visiting thatsamoreseattle.com or give us a call at 206-322-3677. And stay tuned for future episodes of this podcast when I'll join the guys to talk about food, wine, and great Seattle eats. And we're back. Okay. <laughs> Do you listen to the Film Photography Podcast? No, I don't really get into much time to listen to podcasts. I'd, um, it, it goes, I, they put a lot of videos, long-term videos, podcasts, and all. I, I fall asleep during it. It's not, Do you? It's not the content of them. It, it goes back. I remember the, the first time I got like some drawing software, and it came with a VHS tape in it. Yeah. And I put it on and fell asleep within minutes, and I found that <laughs> whenever I couldn't sleep, I'd put in this VHS tape of how to run the software programs, and I guess it's just programmed me to... to <laughs> you know, as I'm getting older, I'm more like that. Because I used to be able to watch any movie mm-hmm. regardless of how bad it was. Yeah. I had, a st- I had a saying that goes, if I'm 10 minutes in, I've committed. So I you're, committed to oh, watching. Wow, you're, you're the opposite of me, where I I used to, where I watch movies and go, well, if I was the director, I could have cut this, I could have cut that. You know, thirty even a thirty minute sitcom, I'd say I could get this down to fifteen minutes. Oh yeah, because <laughs> <You know? laughs> there's so much useless dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now, it's, what, what's it's, interesting though is my favorite movie or one of my favorites is still 2001: A Space Odyssey, and there's eight minutes of silence at the beginning, and that doesn't bother me. You know, I've never seen that. Really? Wow. I started it. Uh-huh. And you got stuck in that eight minutes of silence. It said, oh, so you could have given, should have given it 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I got, st- I got stuck in that. And then, you know, my attention span mm-hmm. just wouldn't allow it. Yeah. So I, but I definitely need to go back and commit and say, I am going to watch this movie. Yeah, do it. Uh, and see if you can <clears throat> explain the ending <laughs> with the baby. I know that with the star baby. Yeah. Yeah, I should go back. There's a whole list of, like, I've never seen that. I've never seen, uh, just, like, we have these friends who are super into movies, mm-hmm. like, older movies. And there's just so many that I haven't seen. Yeah, I true. just barely saw Little House of Horrors not too long <laughs> ago. Uh, but any, uh, Yeah, it's interesting. I don't watch many movies and the like, but I love cinematography. Right. I mean, I always tell people, if you really want to learn how to use your camera and your lights... Read books about by cinematographers and how they do those things. Right. I mean, because they with their budgets, they really need to know what they're doing. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of photographers I've worked with can get a great picture, but they can't tell you how they did it. Right. Well, you that's know? me. <laughs> I can. Well, I wouldn't say great picture. Yeah. I I can get a good picture, and I still don't know how I, I got, got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I mean, is I, not good. I see you have a book here on your shelf, the Visual Story by Bruce Block, which yeah. I think is a great cinema book. Okay. And it talks about lenses and perspective and things right. that, that photographers usually get wrong. Yeah, I try to describe them. And I've read a few of the pages that deal mm-hmm. with perspective. Yeah. Or movement. Right. Like the, the how the subject is moving versus how the camera is moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a YouTube channel called Cinefix mm-hmm. that is actually based off of a of a, a I don't know how to describe it. It's a monthly hardcover magazine that go. It's been around forever mm-hmm. for 30 years, okay. but it tells you about 
movies, special effects, mm-hmm. practical effects, and they sort of do this behind the scene of how they actually got it. Yeah. Uh, so they have this YouTube channel now where they talk about just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like what, like the, what, what's the difference between a dolly and a zoom and what's a dolly zoom? Yeah. Dolly they, zoom. I mean, Hitchcock <clears throat> used it quite a bit. Oh yeah. And, um, Steven Spielberg. Is it Goodfellas? Is is it that has the scene, uh, De Niro sitting at a table with Leota at the with end. With Leota, and you're watching the, the background is getting right. bigger and bigger during the scene while they're still the same, the in same the size in the diner. Yeah, yeah, so that's a great dolly zoom. <clears throat> so there's that one, and then of course Rob Robert Rob Schneider, no, in Jaws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what was his name? Rob? Is it Schneider? Robert Schneider. Uh, you're gonna once you throw a wrong name at me, it, it just sticks in my head, and I I can't come up with the with the right one. Yeah, so that's and Vertigo, Vertigo from Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Right. Yeah. So. It, a, I love listening to all of mm-hmm. to all of that stuff. Uh, they talk a lot about like Godfather. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, camera position to where where they place Michael Corleone and the people that he's talking to to make him appear to be even a bigger, more imposing. Mm-hmm figure than than what he was well, to match it right. to what he was right. it's very you can you can definitely learn yeah a, an awful lot mm-hmm. who is speaking of that who i mean you mentioned you mentioned uh a photographer earlier so what are other photographers that you look to even early on early like, on hey, that's yeah like the, really pe- cool the people that i was always interested in going back in time edward weston from the 20s 30s and 40s mm. Um, and I actually know his grandson, Kim Weston now, and I've done some workshops with him and, and he lives in Edward Weston's old home in Carmel and I've visited there a number of times. Did you like black and white, uh, like desert and He nature? did deserts and nudes. Uh, probably one of his most famous pictures is called, is it Pepper number 35? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a pepper sitting in a funnel and the exposure was like 11 hours on it. You know, okay. You know, back in the twenties, your film speeds weren't anywhere near where yeah, they're <laughs> ours are these like days. Point zero one. Right. Then getting into fashion photographers or some. Well, I guess before that, Ruth Bernhard uh, was a famous photographer. She just died a few years ago, close to a hundred years old. Um, then Irving Penn, uh, Richard Avedon. Okay. Um, I like I, I like him. <laughs> and I like the the stuff that he did. Um, what was the? It's not Vogue. Well, they they both did Vogue. They both had Vogue contracts. Um, but Avedon, a lot of people think of. Um, let's see, Brooke Shields in the Calvin commercials. Right. Nothing becomes between me and my Calvins. Yeah. Uh, Natasha Skinsky in the Snake. Right, right, um, right. Irving Penn. I don't know what people remember as the, his most famous. I don't know. He's probably not as famous outside the film industry or the photo industry, um, but but really great work. They just had a retrospective at the Museum of Metropolitan Art Museum in New York a couple of years ago that I okay. went out for. That was really really fun to walk, to go through. That's I need to. I'll put those in the show notes yeah. too. Mostly to remind me to look at <laughs> to look at what these are. A couple of mine are that I have <clears throat> their books up, but Helmut Newton. Yeah, I is love that his sumo? Stuff. Yeah. Did you ever see the the original sumo book? I think it was like three by four feet. No gigantic. This I I have this one too. The so you're, the right that actually did need 
it's it, well, this one did come with the stand came with this plastic stand yeah but the other one did came with like a full proper like yeah, a much like bigger it's almost stand like a desk <laughs> to, to hold it i flip through it uh-huh all the time yeah and it's just like i want to i want to recreate some of them mm-hmm. in okay i'll never be able to recreate it but i think <laughs> that it would be really fun to try to recreate um one in particular is um a girl in the back seat of an old car mm-hmm. and it's so simple oh, uh-huh. it's like you could tell there's cobblestone streets so you're in this old town mm-hmm. but she's basically just sitting in the back seat with her legs up mm-hmm. that i just love that picture yeah. i look at it i look at it all the time and he did this other one with sigourney weaver hmm. where she's holding film negatives as she as if she were looking at them okay but you can the film negatives are completely in fo- focus and mm-hmm. bright you can see but so is she oh. and i tried to recreate that and i couldn't <laughs> i'll have to go look look for that one <laughs> but getting into more modern folks uh gregory heisler okay uh, is a great portrait photographer in, in new york who's now teaching upstate college up, no, college upstate new york i believe um Jay Maisel, a lot of New York folks. I, I grew up in, on the East Coast, mm-hmm. so I was more into the commercial photographers right. uh, than the art stuff. And it's only since I moved out to the West Coast in what, 1993, I think, mm-hmm. that I've got more into the art side of photography. Uh, in school, I, st- I went to a liberal arts school in New Jersey, Ramapo College, but I had a great professor there, Ed Scully, um, he was the editor of Camera 35 and I think Modern Photography and a few of those. He was an old Navy guy, and he was really rough on everyone in class. <laughs> and I remember once, you know, someone asking him, how come you never pat anyone on the back and from the back of the class, someone yells out, because he's too tired from kicking everyone in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he but, drilled stuff into me, and I, I mean, I still have my notebooks from then. And Oh, wow. You know, and it's it's like, yeah. Do you go back and look at them and it's... Just to remin- reminisce and all, yeah, yeah. It's, that is pr- that's pretty cool. You should probably share some like some snapshots of that. Yeah, I should come out. I, I mean, I, a lot cool of that stuff, see. the stuff in my book is based on on some of those things. Those concepts. Yeah, I mean, just understanding lenses and focal length and what it actually does and yeah. perspective and things like that. That so many people get mixed up. Well, in. it's you know, every new camera is going to ruin the industry. <laughs> so there's plenty of new people that need to know these concepts. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I also like Robert Maplethorpe. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a movie coming out. Well, it came out last year, but it was in limited uh, distribution to some festivals. But I think March 1st, it's going to go national. Okay. I did not heard of this. About Maplethorpe, yeah. He's just, I'm just fascinated by him. Mm-hmm. And the, actually, the pictures that I've tried to recreate for him <laughs> are his lily pictures. Okay, yeah, the flowers. The flowers. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. Yeah, it would be uh, interesting to find participants who would let me recreate some <laughs> of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, I, I just someone just recently told me that I was at a party with Maplethorpe um, back in the I guess in the early eighties. Yeah, it was um, Nick Rhodes from Duran Duran's twenty first birthday party at Studio Fifty Four. Yeah, and Rebecca Blake had just shot photos for their album cover, I guess, and Rebecca brought in Maplethorpe as her date that night. 
what do I didn't know any of these people back then. You know, I was wow. just I was I was I hired by Rebecca's studio to to just shoot some candid stuff at the well, party. I mean, he didn't become really well known until way later. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was still. I don't want to say poor, but he uh-huh. was still just very much a working photographer for well, he was well, most that of, for a very long time. Yeah, most of us end up being that way. I mean, there's there's, there's few Richard Avedons that that had these multi million dollar contracts with from, with Vogue and from early on and and the like. Yeah, I mean that had this studio, you know, four or five floors and upper right. west side, and you know, and staff with four to five people. And there's a really you know. good HBO documentary about him uh-huh. that I watch. Uh, every couple months Hmm. and he talks about how when he needed money he would just go to these parties and say i need to shoot you like to a celebrity to an Uh actress or something and he would do these celebrity portraits and that's how he would fund (laughs) his next round his next round of work but you know new york in the 60s and 70s just seems like such an interesting place to be Mm -hmm. there's this other documentary about Warhol's Brillo, uh-huh. Brillo pad yellow box. Okay. And as they're talking about it, they're talking to people who said, oh, you know, in the 70s, I had pieces of work from this, you know, this person, this famous mm-hmm. artist or this photographer yeah. or this sculptor, where now these are, you know, you're talking tens of millions of dollars. Right. Worth I of mean, stuff. there was the Warhol's factory on the north end of Union Square Park, we used to go to parties there. I mean, it was just, oh. you know, it was just where you think, things you hung out at, you know. <laughs> we didn't know then what was... <laughs> that just take something, <laughs> right. rock it away <laughs> like, for 20 years, <laughs> and it would be worth a ton of money. Right, right. That is so interesting. So, the... Did you meet Warhol? I don't think so. I, just, I don't remember that, no. It's just, I mean, you probably sure you would have remembered. Yeah, yeah. But, or but, but he probably passed his... by or something. Who knows? So <laughs> how <laughs> crazy, I mean, just from watching stuff that they try to recreate, how how crazy is it, was it? I don't I don't think it was that crazy. I mean, you're you're in the middle of it. I, I mean, I, I was never a drinker. I never got into drugs or anything like that. So I was more of an observer, I guess, okay. of, of it all. You should write a... Do you have you written about this? No, that would be super interesting. No, I, I don't. Re- you know, as they say, if you remember the '60s, you weren't there. But, <laughs> I never heard that. but <laughs> that's so funny. I'm re. Did I mention this? I'm rewatching Mad Men. Oh well. And I don't know. I'm just so attracted to that whole thing, mm-hmm. like how it was. Yeah. And I've mentioned this to a few people, and they say, you know, it was only good for a very small amount of people. Mm -hmm. But I choose to believe that if me, myself, had been around then, I would have made it great for myself. (laughs) Like, it seems, it it just seems that way. Um, From how they dressed to, like, the how, well, especially in New York, the, the art. Just the art, it wasn't, art wasn't pretentious. It doesn't seem like it was. Mm. And that it didn't start to get super pretentious until people started putting these high evaluations on the stuff that either the artist had already been dead. Right. Or they were really old and it's like, hey, (laughs) now he's a, now he's a genius. 
like Edgar Allan Poe. He wasn't famous until mm-hmm. after he was dead. But that would be so parties. So you were parties at Warhol's factory. What was what was that? Was it literally was it literally like this warehouse? Yeah, it was, it was a warehouse and like was Union Square was on, ran between 14th and 16th Street, I think, on on West Broadway. Yeah, I mean that's you're, we're going back 40, 50 years. I remember exactly the the address, but yeah. So did by you say factory? Well, that's what it was called. Oh, okay. The Warhol factory. But was there yeah. other people there? Other artists there making stuff? Yeah, I was like I said, I was there for parties. So it was usually dance parties or something mm-hmm. like that. So just music and, and like there was you know, art empty, all, empty everywhere rooms. and. I don't remember. <laughs> it's like because I'm in. I'm trying to picture it. Yeah, it's so a warehouse space. Yeah, I'm probably the wrong person to, <laughs> to des- describe it <laughs> to you. I want to. I should. I need to. This has prompted me to go back and actually look. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some documentaries on, on what was happening there. <clears throat> I have this. Um, so a few years ago, you know, I was a still life photographer in product, so I. I just used to just tail along with some of my fashion photographer friends and so did they to think get that you were things. did they think that you were the man because you did product stuff no, versus no, the art no. stuff no no but but you know I'd hang around like say with the fashion folks because they had all their, their followers and their entourages yeah and just kind of become part of the entourage and go from party to party with them and mm. <laughs> there was a well I have madman madmen on the brain <laughs> so there was a scene where. The art, Don, the art. I don't know. Are, did you watch Mad no. Men? It's about advertising guys. Yeah, we know the value. Yeah, in the, I know what in the sixties, and the main character Don, uh, his neighbor talked about or mentioned Leica, mm-hmm. and then Don's like, "Oh, I have a whole closet full of Leicas. <laughs> it's like you should come to the office and I'll give you one." <laughs> so he goes and he hands him a Leica M two, uh-huh. and I looked, and you, they're <laughs> still selling. They're right now. Yeah. They're like thirteen hundred dollars. <laughs> Just the body, no lens. Mm-hmm. It's like it's another six hundred bucks for those. So it's like it's a two thousand dollar camera that is sixty years old. Yeah. It's like, oh, I want one so bad. Once I get a Leica, I I'm done. That's my holy grail. <laughs> <clears throat> it's uh, just a box that collects light. I know, but it's just beautiful though. <laughs> it's just gorgeous. Are you a camera collector? No, I mean I've got bunch of my old cameras sitting on shelves like you do here at, at home but I don't consider a collector I mean my I, I don't buy the newest as, it, as they come out anymore uh, I, I did that for a little while and then I realized I really didn't need to no well I only have one digital camera oh well <laughs> <laughs> I only have one digital all of the other ones there I probably well, I have three digitals I think right now yeah, I just don't. Um, yeah, they don't. Digital cameras aren't sexy. Mm-hmm. They don't do it for me. <laughs> like I, I just recently acquired a Pentax six seven two. Uh huh. That's gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous wooden handle. Yep. I love how it sounds. And then my favorite camera that I have now is my Hasselblad. It's just a five hundred cm. Mm-hmm. It's not even. But it's just beautiful. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. And then you have the big beasts, like the Mamiya. I was going to say, you have an RB or an RZ. Yeah. Kerchunk, uh, kerchunk, kerchunk. <laughs> it is so obnoxiously <laughs> <just> loud. loud. 
<laughs> so loud. Yeah, I'm a collector. I have yeah. advanced the film, flip the mirror, kerchunk, kerchunk twice. <laughs> you know, it took me two rolls to figure out I needed to advance the film. <laughs> it took me two rolls. The the first roll I took off. It was a 15 multi exposure uh-huh. shot. Nice. <laughs> I I have some concert film photos that I did in the 70s where. You know, I was, I'm shooting along, and all of a sudden I realize I'm up to number 41 or 42 on a roll of 36. <laughs> but but some of those photos were great. I have some, I think, of Yes and of Queen, where they're double exposures, and it was, they actually worked out as if I planned them. So, <laughs> But they were just because the film broke at the I end. I definitely want to see those. I think there, some of them might be on my Instagram. I'll have to check I, that out for you That later. looks... Oh, <laughs> see, it's so cool to... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it was 1976 at the Beacon Theater for Queen, mm. one of their first U.S. tours. See, I don't think that that kind of stuff happens anymore. Like you don't, like I mean, people I w- playing their own instruments and writing their, <laughs> their own songs. songs. <laughs> Did you watch? Was it the Grammys? A couple? Well, we don't have a TV. TV no, they're they were doing the Grammy for best hip hop song. Mm-hmm. Every song had the minimum of seven writers. Hmm. Every single wow. one of them. One of them had like ten, and you know uh-huh. you they, hey, you have to put the writer, yeah, in the thing. <laughs> it's like oh, these rappers say the same thing over and huh. over and over and over again. Why do you need seven people? Well, to write that. I, I just know people commented on someone on there was playing two pianos at the same time. Yeah, Alicia Keys. Okay, but I'm going. Look at Keith Emerson, Rick Wakeman, Patrick Mraz, Tony Banks, right. any of these <laughs> you know, keyboard players from, from back in the 60s and 70s right. or, you know, stack of 13 keyboards on <laughs> stage the days before MIDI when you needed a separate keyboard for everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just I, I don't have an affinity to cur- current anything, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, current music, yeah. I know, but my wife always yells at me because the music you're listening to is 50, 60 years old. I say, yeah, I still enjoy it's it. It's good. You know, I I started a record collection not too long uh-huh. ago. Vinyl? Yeah. Wow. Film and vinyl, you're really going for it. You know, it. I'm, I was not meant to be. <laughs> I, I was born in 78. The analog, the analog world. I was definitely meant to have been born way sooner. <laughs> uh, I just, I like the tang- tangible. Mm-hmm things that are like i want to see yeah i want to do it yeah like with film i i mean most of the film the pictures that i take on film are just dumb snapshots Mm -hmm. but there's something to only having you know 15 Mm -hmm. exposures if you're doing 120 or 20 however many are 12 35 there's something to only having that amount Mm -hmm. coming to an end Unless the film breaks, and then you get all these double exposures at the end. Oh, (laughs) so it's this love-hate thing where there's just so many things that can go wrong. Mm -hmm. Sure, but then you take your canister out, or you wrap you you take your roll out, Mm -hmm. and then you put it away because you don't develop it right away. And then you know a few weeks later, it's like, what did I shoot with this? So you you didn't come from the commercial background. You know, we had a E6 lab down the street. Everything was back in forty-five minutes to an hour. Oh no! You know, it's it almost—it's almost like digital. It's 
<laughs> it actually is almost like digital. But I like it because I'm actually making something. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also responsible for producing it, so the developing. Yeah. Because I develop my own black and white. Right. And then I love the process of developing mm-hmm. black and white because – you know, there's a science to it. Yeah, so I was never the darkroom person. You know, everyone says, I remember the first time I saw the print and the tray start coming up, and I always hooked on photography, and I was like, yeah, that's what it's supposed to do. You know, (laughs) for me, I also sometimes talk about is photography a process or a product, and for me it's the process. It's the the working with the people, doing the portrait session and the like. You know, the the product is just a byproduct. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think I look at it similarly. And with vinyl, I like that it prompts you to have to get up mm-hmm. to flip sides or to look something. There's a much... When when people... We have parties here. We love having parties. Mm-hmm. And a really fun activity that is turned into a, into a social uh, exercise is... I'll say, hey, do you guys want to listen to records, right? Which, mm-hmm. f- first of all, they've <laughs> probably never heard. And they're like, sure. So I go and I grab my records, mm-hmm. and then I give a stack to two or three people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, here, pick the ones that you want to hear. Uh-huh. And there's just something about the act of flipping through yeah. through records. Sure, a 12-inch sleeve where you can actually see the pictures yeah. and read the text on it. Yeah. And then yeah. I have a lot of really old records. Mm-hmm. And it'll start a conversation of, you know, how old is this? Uh-huh. Where did you get it? Stuff like yeah. that. And and then they each hand me one or two records, and then that's the playlist. Mm-hmm. So then there's something to that where we, as a group, decided what we want to listen to, and then you actually play it. So when yeah. the record player turns on, the TV comes off, mm-hmm. and then we're just talking. And like everyone sits there watching the thing spin around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many grams is that needle? <laughs> How balanced is that? Do you, do you have a stroboscope yeah. on the side to make sure the speed's the right? Yeah, who knows if it's right, though. <laughs> My wife sometimes complains that it sounds horrible. Uh-huh. Uh, I have a nice receiver and decent speakers, but just a crappy turntable. Uh-huh. It's just 80s plastic. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, so I'm sure that if I had a nicer yeah. turntable. And it's it's so different too, because I recently came across some old reel-to-reel tapes I had. Okay. And I had a friend bring over a reel-to-reel deck and I started listening to it. And it was, well, a lot of it was just mixtapes I did for myself back then. But the difference is... <laughs> <laughs> I said, I've never heard that in, in Court of the Crimson King before. <laughs> and I'm listening to this. <laughs> but do you mind? No, not really. Yeah, it's I part mean, of it. Sometimes you had a record that had a skip on it, and that just became part of the song. Right. If, if you heard the song straight through without the skip, it was like, whoa, yeah. there's something wrong there. I just <laughs> missed that. <laughs> what I tell people is when the record's player is going, mm-hmm. don't walk in front right. of it because <laughs> I don't have it shocked, absorbed mm-hmm. quite right. So if you step near it, it'll skip. So I was like, don't walk <laughs> So a little old-fashioned, yeah. but I think that the overall enjoyment that we get out of it Far exceeds, and probably the record that has been played the most is Neil Diamond's greatest hits. But the record came out like in sixty something. Uh-huh. So, so before some of his greatest hits, before <laughs> some of his greatest hits. So I mean, like Cherry Cherry on there, Solitary uh-huh. Man, 
Yeah. Like I'd love that record. I listen to it. That and David Bowie is the one I listen to <laughs> yeah. all the time. And uh it's just it's just fun. I really like I really like the uh I just really like it. Mm-hmm. Um I started trying to collect jazz. Yeah. But I'm not smart enough to <laughs> I'm not smart enough to uh-huh. know anything about jazz. Just go with some of the names to begin with, you know, John Coltrane. Yeah, I Wes have him Montgomery, and Thelonious. Uh, Thelonious Monk, sure, and um, Jimmy Smith on Hammond. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I need to go. I, I haven't bought a jazz record in a while, but I need to go back and, and check it. Yeah, just go through the Blue Note catalog. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for being sure. on the show. Did we miss anything? We did some photography. Yeah. We did some We'll have to do it again and talk about lights for, for real. Oh, yeah, we, we should, too. You know, I love the... <laughs> believe it or not, listeners, believe it or not, I don't really plan out these shows because I I used to try to plan them out and I wrote an outline, never stuck to mm. it. Never, ever. And I like the free-flowingness of it because who knows? It's like best conversation. I mean, we're just... it's just a conversation so i love talking uh but we talked a little bit about photographers that we uh admire Mm -hmm. so i'll put some of those in the notes so you can check them out did a little bit of records uh do you have anything coming up any appearances on creative live or i don't have anything scheduled we have your book yeah just got got the book are you part of any meetups or uh, seminars I sometimes I I go to some some meetups I help run the Photoshop user group uh, that meets at Adobe every month I think it's the second or third Tuesday whatever last night was we had the meeting I never remember what I have to what, what product of Adobe Photoshop Photoshop yeah I have a complaint about Premiere uh-huh you want to hear it sure. before we go? Sure. I, I don't do video, but. So with Premiere, the 264 codex mm-hmm. doesn't work. I export a video using the 245 codex, mm-hmm. but the video that I export, all social media platforms reject. It won't upload. But if I use the 265 codex, it'll work. Well, there is a premier users group that meets at the Seattle Film Institute over in Magnolia. Oh. I don't I don't know which, what day of the month they meet on, but you can probably look them up on Meetup. Okay. So I might have to do that. Yeah, check, check them out. Because it's, I've, I, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was on support with them for like an hour and a half, huh. and they blamed Microsoft. They blamed Windows that on one of their last updates they broke the codex, but I used I tried yeah. on the Mac and it doesn't work either. Uh-huh. It, it was either Windows broke the Mac too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Oh, yes, I forgot thanks. to tell people to subscribe and like. I always do that. Subscribe and like, and if you're into lighting stuff, I do have a private Facebook group uh, called uh, In the Home Studio. Okay. Um, so. Just Send me a note if you want to get into that. In the home studio. Yeah. We can, uh, can we, we put your email? Well, yeah, we'll put a URL to to the Facebook group in the show notes. Okay. 
Perfect. We'll do that. And please subscribe, like, share, all of that good stuff. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Thank you.